But we're calling this series Waiting for Christmas. Who likes to wait for Christmas? Anybody? Nobody likes to wait. Who likes, who likes waiting in general? You just love to wait for things. You guys are weird. You're weirdos. You're a bunch of liars. Nobody believes that. Waiting is awful. If you're waiting for a what? What did you say? A test? <laughs> if you're not prepared for the test, then yes, you prefer the waiting period, not the arrival. <laughs> but in a general sense, we don't like to wait for things, right? Waiting can be the worst. All right. Come on. Listen up. Waiting can be the worst, right? I mean, just think of Christmas, for example. We get Christmas, and then we have to wait a whole other year for it to come back, right? We wait for it for months. And even right now, the December 1st Advent is a building of excitement to Christmas. When we're little kids, we don't want to wait for it, right? We're like, I don't want to wait for my presents. I want to bust in under the tree and rip all those presents open right now. And then your parents notice you trying to, trying to grab them, right? And it gets to the point where they have to start hiding them in the house. Because they're not going to buy them the day before. They're not fools, I hope. Right? Some are. Some people are waiting forever to get the, grip, get the gifts. And uh, they procrastinate. And they wish they would have had the waiting. But waiting can be rough. Like I said, we got Christmas. You got to wait for that. Waiting to get married. Some people are doing that, right? It takes sometimes a long time before you get married. And then even once you date the person and get engaged, usually they're still waiting before you actually finally sign the marriage license. And then, boom, married. Luke's like, come on, stop talking about this. <laughs> We wait for a lot of things. School. Wait for school to be done, right? Some of you guys are like, man, I'm waiting for Christmas break. Not even Christmas. How many of you got two weeks left? It's getting close, right? Well, we don't like to wait. Waiting is awful. I would argue that waiting is actually something you do more in your life than the actual fulfilling of what you're waiting for. We will wait all the time, right? Wait for a birthday. You guys are waiting for school to officially be over for yourself. I mean, think about it. Once you graduate, you have spent almost three-fourths of your life in school. That's crazy. I mean, think about it. You start school at five, even sooner if you're in preschool. And if that's the case, then it's only like three, four years of your life that you weren't even in school by the time you graduate. And then you voluntarily go off to do like two, four more years of school. <laughs> Nobody forces you, right? Unless maybe your parents do, hopefully not. But we wait for a lot of things. And I think the Christmas story gives us a good picture of waiting. I mean, when Jesus came, the nation of Israel had been waiting and waiting for that moment for a long time. 
And we even talked about it last year during, during Christmas time. It was 400 years until Christmas is what the name of the series was that we did, right? Was that last year? I think it was last year, right? Oh, was it the year before? It was two years ago. Wow. Yeah. We, we like to look over 2020, right? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I know it was in the last year or two. But there's this picture when you look at the story of Christmas in the Bible. You see that there's been this waiting that had happened. If you didn't know it, the time from before the Gospels, the previous time that God had spoken had been 400 years before an actual prophetic word from God had been given to people. That is a long time. A long time ago. In fact, we're going to start in Luke chapter 1. We've got a big chunk here, John, in New Living Translation. It's going to be verse 8 through 25. Luke chapter 1, 8 through 25. I'm going to read it here. I want you guys to just listen to this. This is a pretty interesting, interesting story. Verse 8 through 25. Now here is, it's technically not right at the Christmas story part. But it's just a few months before. It starts with a man called Zechariah. Now, he's married to a woman named Elizabeth, and she's not able to have children. And they've been praying and praying and praying. And it, it's probably expected that he prayed hundreds of times for his wife to, to bear a child to them. And it gets to the point, he's a priest, and he's, doing, he's serving in God's temple, starting at verse 8. You got it ready there, John? So it says here, one day Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. How many of you would be freaked out by that? be terrifying, right? It says here that Zechariah was. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the, Lord, or prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Let me tell you, this angel, he's quoting a lot of scripture when he's speaking this to Zechariah. I mean, as a priest, the man who knew the law and knew the Bible, knew scripture, he would have known this stuff. In theory, he would have probably known this stuff that the angel was saying and where he was talking about. So it says, verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now. 
and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I just love how it's got an exclamation point there. Like he shouts it at him. Really? Do you need an answer from me? He says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe that what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was talking so long. Taking so long. <laughs> he wasn't talking, right? <laughs> when he finally did come out, he didn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. He still had, still had to serve after that, not being able to speak. Soon afterward, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Now, as I've shared with you guys before in the past, a woman in this society who was married to not have children, especially by old age, it was seen as a disgrace. It was seen as a curse upon them, that it was something that was wrong with them. And you know, people made assumptions all the time, whether it was maybe it was a sin of them or their, their parents or something like that. I mean, the assumptions go on for a while. But it was, there was a stigma that was with it, that there was something wrong with them. They'd been waiting for God to answer their prayers. And what's interesting, too, is the fact that the angel himself, I would imagine, was waiting to go and give this word. The last time he gave a word was to Daniel in the Old Testament, which was over 400 years before this. It's a long time. A long time to go without giving proclamations from the Lord, which was literally pretty much what angels did. They shared the word of the Lord, administered to people. So in Luke, not, not you, Luke. In Luke chapter 1, Verse 26, so the next verse, John, through 38, talks about, 26 through 38, it talks about the next, literally the next thing. It's the next verse after this. So Gabriel, he goes and talks to Zechariah. And ironically, after being silent for 400 years, God puts silence upon somebody for not believing a word that was said. And so Zechariah, he's, Still got the promise coming, because Elizabeth gets pregnant, right? But the angel has this word that he goes and shares. And Zechariah doesn't believe it. So next he goes to Mary, which is the next piece to this whole fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies and God coming to save his people. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed. Who's ever been there? <laughs> Even when God gives you a word, you're like, hmm, I don't know about that. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. 
why would the angel greet me in this manner? I mean, to be greeted that way by an angel isn't something they said to everybody. (laughs) But he does to Mary. So verse 30, it says, Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Fair question, right? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Holy, Most Holy, Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Some translations say, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Now I love that Luke wrote this gospel, not that Luke, (laughs) wrote this gospel with both words given by Gabriel, just right next to each other. Because we get to see the difference of the reception from each individual. I know in in the past I've read this, and now I understand a little bit better, but when I first read these words, this passage, I, I read it and I go, well, wait a second. Mary said the same thing that Zechariah did, kind of, right? How in the world is this going to happen? Prove it. Show me a sign. Which she doesn't say, show me a sign, but, I mean, she questions it. She's like, how in the world is that going to happen? But it makes a lot of sense for her to ask that question compared to Zechariah. I want to share some history with you guys to get an understanding of Zechariah and why he had no reason to doubt this word coming from the angel. In fact, an angel showing up, he should have been like, wait, are you here to tell me what I think you're going to tell me? Because I've been waiting for this. <laughs> Zechariah was, he was old and knew the scriptures. I mean, he was a priest for crying out loud. He knew what the Bible said. He knew the Old Testament prophecies. As well as, on top of that, there were plenty of accounts in Bible that he knew about people in old age as a couple bearing a child. In fact, the whole nation of Israel is actually founded on that. Three families, one after the other, that were barren, but they weren't. God brought them a kid. I mean, there's Abraham and Sarah, right? And then there's Jacob and his, his wife. I think it was Rebecca, right? And then Isaac and Rachel, or is it the other way? I always get Rachel and Rebecca messed up. But they were not able to have kids. And they were, I mean, Sarah was like 90 years old. So, I mean, Zechariah would know about that story. And there's other people in, in the Bible that had a similar situation. Yet he didn't, he didn't believe this word from Gabriel. He was waiting for so long. They got to the point where he didn't even know if it was going to happen anymore. I don't know if you guys have ever been in that position. It's a painful place to be. 
It hurts when you're there. And you've been waiting for years for something. And it hasn't even happened yet. I would argue that Zechariah and Elizabeth have probably been waiting longer for a child than all of you here, with the exception of the adults, have been alive. And as a priest in Old Testament times, to not have any children to your name would be embarrassing. And I'm sure it was embarrassing for them. But Zechariah is somebody who, he knew the scriptures, right? He knew those accounts of the miraculous happening, that God would do what he wants, when he wants, and it would be good. Not only that, but the fact that there was an angel literally in the temple next to the altar and incense should be reason enough to believe the guy, right? I was thinking about it in all the Old Testament situations, not once had that ever happened, where there was an angel giving a word in the temple to somebody that they're going to have a child. There'd been words given by people. Hannah was given a word by the prophet who first thought she was drunk, that she was going to have a son. Abraham was told by an angel, but there wasn't even a tabernacle yet by that point. But for him to ask how this can be was only seen by doubt by Gabriel. Because he was in the temple in the first place, which was a miraculous encounter, right? This word came... Word came to Zechariah in something that should give him reason to believe it. Now, the situation with Mary is quite different. The fact that she didn't know the scripture wouldn't be something that was unbelievable. Because at that time, women didn't really know the scriptures. It was the, the men that did. Did you guys know that by age 10, all Hebrew boys had to know the first five books of the Bible? By heart, memory. They had to know Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Like the back of their hand. <laughs> How many of you can name one verse out of those? What you got, Hannah? In, in Genesis through Deuteronomy? That you can memorize by heart? Share one of them. You should be able to do the first one, right? All right. Now do the next 50 chapters. <laughs> I didn't think so. That'd be tough, right? But the fact that not only was Mary young, I don't know if you guys knew this, but a lot of scholars believe that she was probably a teenager. Kind of crazy, right? So the fact that she was young in general means she probably didn't know all of the book of the law. Everything. Especially because of the fact she was a girl. That alone is like, no, there's no way she knew the scriptures. So for her to ask, wait, wait, wait hold on. How is this going to be? She wouldn't be able to say anything like, do you mean I'm going to bring the Messiah or something? And she might have heard about the, the coming of the Messiah and how it was going to happen for the most part, but... She wouldn't be able to pin the, the scriptural references and read it right straight out of Isaiah. I mean, the first prophecy of the coming of the Messiah was actually given in Genesis. It was, I believe, Genesis chapter 3. 
when it says that he will bruise your heel, but you will bruise his head through the, the seed of the woman, is what it says. And it's giving and alluding to God coming through a woman with no birth. Anyways, all that aside, the fact that she was a girl and a young one at that should show there's no way she would know the scriptures. Not like Zechariah did. Right, yeah, and in their society, she was considered a woman, I'm reading. Which is why she was betrothed to be married, right? So I got a, a little test for you guys. Who here wants to win 60 bucks? If you can name, if you can recite to me five verses from Scripture... Put your phones down. No leaders, yes. If you can name, I'm not saying five books of the Bible, because that's what they had to do. Hebrew boys by age of 10, age 10, had to know the first five books of the Bible by heart. No, no, no. So, five verses. By heart, word for word, and the reference. Good try. Anyone else? You got one. No tag team. You ain't splitting it. No takers? All right, Ian. Here's a gift card, at least. Is there anything you can have there? I don't know if you're allergic to dairy. A DQ? Can you have anything from DQ? <laughs> All right, fair. So that should put things into context a little bit. For Zechariah to say what he said, it was him totally doubting. But for Mary to ask the question, it's really just her bringing clarification. Okay, how is this going to happen? Because it doesn't take a scientist to know if you're a virgin, you're not going to have a child, right? It's not going to happen. Nope. Sorry to break it to you. I mean, I'm sure that's a relief to everybody, right? So she was asking this question, and I would think she was waiting to hear what the angel's going to say to go, okay, this isn't in the temple like Zechariah had, where, okay, somebody's in the temple that's, not supposed to be there, probably an angel, straight from heaven. But who knows who was talking to Mary, right? So for him to say what he was going to say, she was confirming the word to say, okay, speak to me scripture, tell me the truth, and what he said was all good stuff, right? There was no thread of a lie in there, so it was obviously from God. It wasn't some, something else, like a demon or something. So once the angel gave the scriptural explanation to Mary, what was her response? Yes, I'll do it. Zechariah, he had been waiting for so long. He didn't even want to believe it anymore. 
Sometimes we see waiting as failing. You guys ever been there? You see, you've waited for something for so long, you're like, okay, either God's just failing to answer me, or I'm failing to receive it, right? And Zechariah went years without hearing from God anything about this whole thing. At least we don't have the scriptural reference for it. But the fact that the angel came and said, your prayer's been heard, I would have been like, which one? <laughs> I've been doing this for years. And I would imagine every time he's in the temple, he's supposed to be there to pray for the nation of Israel and stuff. He's like, well, I'll just slip in a little prayer for myself while I'm here too. Pray for my wife that she'll have a kid so we don't get seen as a disgrace to all of our city. Right? <laughs> and then finally it happens. We oftentimes see waiting as a failing. But that's not the case with God. The timing of John the Baptist's arrival was actually perfect timing. It was exactly when it needed to happen. Think about it. How can you prepare the way of the Savior if you came after the Savior? Wouldn't be able to happen. But how can you also prepare the way of the Savior and baptize him? Because that's what he did. He was meant to baptize Jesus. But how can he baptize him if he comes early and gets beheaded? Because that's what happened to him. He got beheaded because what he was saying, the nation of Israel didn't want to hear. And they cut his head off. King Herod did. I don't know about you, but I don't think anyone can baptize somebody if they're headless, right? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> so his timing was precisely when God wanted it to happen. Now, as the person who's waiting to hear from God, it doesn't feel that way, right? You're like, God, are you listening? I'm waiting. Are you even going to say anything to me? Yeah, at least give me a word. What's interesting is the fact that the angel waited. He had to wait, right? He didn't get sent out yet. The angel waited 400 years before he ever shared a word from God again. That's a long time to wait. We can't even wait four minutes sometimes, right? That's why we microwave everything. Well, John the Baptist, he came at the precisely exact time that he was meant to. And I think the word that the angel gave Zechariah is really key. He says, for my words will certainly be fulfilled. But the next part we often don't like, at the proper time. Angel says, for my words will be certainly fulfilled at the proper time. That proper time is the one that we don't like to hold on to. We like the part before and we wish there would be a period there, right? Angel says, my words will certainly be fulfilled. Yes, God, I love that. We don't want them to keep going. <laughs> but the proper time is the timing that we need, right? It's the best time. It's really the right time that's, that's supposed to happen. Oftentimes, we don't even know what the proper time is. Or we find out what the proper time is, and we don't like it. Right? We hear about when the proper time is, and we go, oh, no, no, no. There's got to be a better timing than that. Come on. Because either it means we're having to wait, 
or we get thrust into something before we're ready for it, right? Which that's a whole nother sermon. We can do that another time. <laughs> but I assure you that God's time is the right time. I know we've all heard that, right? Everyone has been, you know, God's timing is perfect timing. It's a cute little phrase. But it's true, and it's painful to hear because we don't want to hear it. It's painful to hear because it hurts when we're in the waiting. It hurts when we're not at the fulfillment of it yet. 400 years until the angel came. Guys, that's generations of people waiting for the Savior of the world to come. And it wasn't even 400 years they were waiting for the Savior. The prophecies had been given for, I mean, Isaiah was 700 years before that. Genesis, way further back, right? The Psalms have prophecies all through it of the coming Messiah. But 400 years of waiting to hear from God. Is there a word from the Lord yet? Nope, not yet. Guess we're still waiting. You guys ever been there? It's a hard place to be. <laughs> not for 400 years, right? Tonight's all about the waiting on God for a promise to be given. Not even waiting for the promise itself. We're waiting to just hear about it. Because that's what Zechariah was experiencing. He hadn't even heard the promise yet. He was just in the place of praying. He'd been praying for years, waiting for God to do something, waiting for God to at least answer him and say, I'm going to bring you a child. <laughs> okay, great. When? He didn't even get that. Abraham had that. God sent somebody to say, your wife's going to bear a child. He's like, okay, great. And then he tries to fulfill the promise himself. Don't do that, guys. <laughs> That's oftentimes our inclination is when we're in the waiting, we wait for so long that we go, all right, I need to speed things up. God's taking too long. And then we just end up screwing things up, right? But the waiting on the promise, it's a painful place to be. I think it's a necessary place to be, though. There's a growth that happens and a trust in the Lord that can only happen there. Imagine if you never had to wait for anything. <laughs> That'd be crazy, right? I mean, you guys laugh at it. You're like, oh, when's that going to happen, right? You're waiting for you to never have to wait. The irony. <laughs> the coming of the Messiah was first promised all the way back in Genesis, like I said. And Israel had been waiting for a moment to hear from God. Time's now. Coming now. Here's the day. So much so that when it did happen, people didn't even believe it. Yeah, sure. The Messiah. When's that going to happen? <laughs> and when he did come, he was nothing like the people expected. He was totally different than they wanted, who they thought they needed. It turns out it was exactly who we needed.
I'll tell you this. Sometimes we wait for something to hear from God. And I've been, and I'm saying this out of experience. If I were to just go to God's word, I'd find my answers. There's times we wait to hear from God. God, give me an answer. I'm praying for this. Yet we're neglecting the word. We're neglecting going to what he has said, just waiting to hear some new word from him when we don't even know the word in general. And we need to go to God's word to find out what we're looking for. I know for a time with myself, and I even do it now still, when I'm going through a crisis, when I'm going through a situation, I cry out to God, and instead of crying out to him and going to his word, I just go to him, and then he says, go read my word. I'm like, no, God, just tell me. <laughs> He's like, go to my word. <laughs> but why can't you just tell me now? We need to get it internalized, right? We need to get inside of us and believe it. Because you can have it internalized like Zechariah did, but you don't believe it. <laughs> when the word comes, you don't want to hear it. But we need to go to his word and lean on the waiting and know that strength comes in the waiting. I got a couple of verses I want to share with you, and then I want you guys to think Think about some stuff that maybe you've been waiting to hear from the Lord on. God, I'm waiting for an answer. I'm waiting for you to do something about it. I'm waiting to hear from you about this. And this is why we need to go to people that know Scripture and go to people who love the Lord instead of people who don't so that we can hear from them. And they say, do you know that the Bible says this? Because I know for myself, I don't have this whole thing memorized. <laughs> Anyone have the first book of the Bible memorized? First five? Right? When we go to Scripture, we find it has a way of making the waiting not so painful anymore. Because we rely on the strength of the Lord. Psalm 27, if you want to get this ready, John. And this is in the ESV translation. Psalm chapter 27, verse 13 and 14. I really love this, this passage. And it's a verse, if you guys didn't know, you probably sang it before. Pretty much sang it word for word. But in Psalm 27, verse 13 and 14, it says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What translation you got there, John? I got ESV for this one. Yeah, go ahead. ESV. Says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. We don't like that part, right? <laughs> Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Our soul waits for the Lord. This verse actually doesn't say where it is. I didn't write this one down. <laughs> Sorry, John. <laughs> but I know this is scripture. I can't remember the reference. <laughs> it says, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in him. 
his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us as we hope in you. When you're in the waiting, where's your hope? Because that's what really makes the difference. You get through the waiting. Where's your hope leaning on? I would argue that Zechariah had lost hope by the time the angel came to him. And does that mean it's the angel's fault? You came too late. <laughs> you should have came when I had hope still. No. That's foolish. It wasn't the angel's fault that he didn't have the hope anymore. Angel is a messenger of the Lord. That's what they are. Ministering spirits on our behalf. So it tells us in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, last verse. They're simply sent by God to take care of us. Whether that's tell us something from the Lord, protect us. Who's ever been protected by an angel? Every one of you should raise your hands right now. As I would argue, it's happened to every one of you and you didn't know it. But where is your hope when you're in the waiting? Because I would also argue that most, if not all of us, are in a waiting period about something. Like I said, most of your life is spent waiting for something. Like for Christmas, right? For school to be out. For you to graduate from school. To retire, says the non-retired one up there. <laughs> In his 60s. <laughs> Where is your hope? This is a question I think we all need to ask ourselves today. In regards to the thing that you're waiting on. The thing that you've been waiting to hear from God about. Where is your hope? Because the steadfast love of the Lord, you're never going to feel it if you're not having hope for it. Let me read it again. It says, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in Him, because we trust in His holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in the Lord. There's a verse in Isaiah that talks about waiting on the Lord and you will rise on wings like eagles. You will run and not grow faint. You'll be strengthened when you wait on the Lord. You can wait and then not be on the Lord, right? And that's not a good place to be. You're just like, I'm just waiting. It's called being at the DMV in a big city. It's not true. A little bit. <laughs> you can wait with no purpose to it, right? You can wait and it just be something that drags on and on and on. But there's nothing to strengthen you and get you through the waiting. But when you wait on the Lord for something from Him, that's something worth waiting for. And that's something you can wait for. When you trust in Him, in His holy name, right? And lean on what He has said in the past. If Zechariah would have leaned on the word of the Lord that had been given to others and say, if God's done it then, he can still do it today. When that angel showed up, he would have been like, ah! freaked out for a second. And then, wait, 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 what are you doing here? What do you got to say? And he tells him pretty much scripture. He goes, awesome. I've been waiting for this day. 
And then he would have been running out rejoicing, praising God. Instead, he was silent for nine months. <laughs> Many women would wish their husbands were silent for nine months during that time. Right, <laughs> right Caleb? No? No. <laughs> Anyways, let's stand up. We're going to get in the groups here. I'm going to pray, and then I don't know how we want to do groups. I'm thinking we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Do you want to join or no? It's up to you. Do you like groups? Cool. Let's have leaders get up here, then I'll pray. And then we'll get into groups. I got questions for you guys. All right, all right. God, I know that the waiting is hard. Nobody likes to wait for things that they want. We got no problem waiting for things we don't want. But God, I, I pray that we would learn how to wait on the Lord. We would learn how to trust in your timing that you're going to do the fulfilling when you want to fulfill it, and that we would trust that that is the right time. God, that we would partner with you to pray that timing in instead of praying our timing in. God, that we would want your will to be done when you want your will done. So we trust in you. We lean on you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.